Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television. Outdoors, Dan here. And hey, did you know Bass Edge Television is on? Well, it is. It's on Wild TV in Canada right now. We will be back on the Versus Network in January of 08. I've got my buddy here, Aaron Martin. And Aaron, i got to tell you, we always have a lot of talent on the show when it comes to the fishing thing, fishing side of things. But this week we've got the man, Boyd Duckett. That's right. You know, we're turning up the volume a little bit. It's not every day that uh, that we get to sit and talk with not only the reigning Bassmasters Classic champion, but also just won uh, the most recent majors tournament. So uh, it, it, it's going to be a great show. Sure. And then we got the guy that I love to call the Dr. Phil of Fish, Dr. Hey, J. Go. McNamara. <laughs> so that's going to be exciting. And, you know, Aaron... You're such a giving guy. We're also going to be, uh, don't forget to give away some listener email questions and give away some great prizes this week, and I know you're up for that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll answer those questions and, uh, and get those prizes on down the road. I love doing that. All right. Well, let's get to it. Okay. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that stuff going, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. All right, we're cranking it up on the edge. Outdoors, Dan here. He's Aaron Martin. Aaron, I tell you what, what a great week. And you guys have got a lot of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. This you is want to tell everybody call, about it? Yeah, this is what they call go time. And, and starting to feel uh, feel a little bit of the, of the pressure, but it's all fun and games because, you know, throughout the course of this, I'm going to get to spend a lot of time on the water, get to see a lot of new people. But, uh, yeah, we're rocking and rolling. We've got the Bass Edge crew that will be out in full force the 27th and 28th of September, right just right around the corner down at the Collegiate Bass Anglers National Championship at uh, at Louisville Lake. So make sure if, if any of our listeners have the opportunity uh, to come out to that, that's going to be a great event, and we'll have uh, plenty of free giveaways. The Bass Edge boat will be there. Uh, would love the opportunity to meet you. And then I will uh, also be fishing, um, the getting ready to head into practice actually right now, uh, the Lake Amstead BASS Central event uh, down there casting for some cash. And directly following that event is is when we take off on our, uh, I guess, kind of our tour uh, for the upcoming 2008 uh, taping season that will debut on the Versus Network. We're going to be covering seven states uh, in six weeks. So if if you see us out and about, make sure uh, you come up, introduce yourself, and love the opportunity to share some stories with you. Oh, there you go. Now, have you got all the Waffle Houses mapped out on your GPS? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all good. You know, those and what the Lion's Choice, and that's your favorite, right? Uh, in, in Missouri, <laughs> you cannot beat Lion's Choice roast beef sandwiches. Uh, we need a cash register gene or something right there. But, <laughs> there but I, I mean, I'm sorry, folks, if you've never had a Lion's Choice roast beef, you're missing out. <laughs> there you go. We're so going to try and take good. in some of the, uh, the local flavors as well. So a lot of, a lot of good stuff happening. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, that's the best part of traveling is just trying to see new things and talking with people. And, you know, that Lake Amistad, we talked about that on the edge last week. It, that place is really heating up for some big stringers. It is. It is. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting because this could be just, you know, another slugfest or it could be a little tougher to where, believe it or not, uh, there may be some drop shotting going on, you know, down on, on Amistad for this, this event. And, uh, well, you should be right at home then. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's there's 
there'll be probably 180 of you know the top guys uh, that's down there. So it, it normally that field will be stacked, and there's a, just a tremendous amount of good anglers in in the Texas area. You know. Sure. So now I got to ask you this because I've got a new theory on winning tournaments. Okay. What pro shirt are you going to be wearing this time? What pro shirt am I going? My orange. Is it going to be the banana yellow or the blaze orange? <laughs> blaze orange, of course. Well, see, it's the fall. See, I think you're you're going to do good now because if you look at my analogy, if you go in the fall, that's hunting season. So the blaze orange. Halloween. It goes. It goes right there. <laughs> there you go, pumpkins. Yeah, yeah. pumpkins. Boat, hey. boat. I'm on the Halloween tour. That's what we're calling it this year. <laughs> the, <laughs> so. Hall- the Halloween tour. That's pretty good. Well, I tell you what, that is pretty neat. We're going to take a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with the king himself, Bassmasters Classic champ, Boyd Duckett, right here on the edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. All right, welcome back to The Edge, and uh, exciting show uh, interview here, and it's not very often that we get to actually speak with not only the reigning 2007 Bassmasters Classic champion, but also uh, the 2007 Legends Bassmasters Major Championship, and that is uh, Mr. Boyd Duckett. Boyd, thanks so much for being part of The Edge. Well, thanks. Uh, Aaron, I sure am looking forward to uh, having a chance to talk to you. Yeah, and, and, you know, we're excited for you to be here. You know, before we get into some of the the technique-specific items that that we've got on the list today, you know, how in the world, Boyd, did you get into the sport of fishing? Well, I guess that's a good question. I I think all of us um, that are certainly at at my level and, and all the other levels you know, bass fishing is something that becomes a passion in your life. I started fishing when I was a kid. My dad didn't fish much, but once he recognized that my brother and I liked to fish, he would take us. He hated it, but he took us anyway, so that gave us some opportunity. But uh, we, we basically grew up uh, outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, down around Lake Wiley, and had a small pond that was in walking distance of the house, about a mile through the woods. And, and we just fell in love with it. And every Saturday, we'd get up early and go fishing and, uh, you know, just just uh just it's been a passion ever since started tournament fishing uh in 1977 when i was 17 years old i i uh, got a boat when i was 16 and then started fishing some local tournaments and it wasn't as big a deal back then and uh started fishing that jerry rines trail the fisherman's bass circuit it became and out of the carolinas and traveled with that so i've been in in the sport and in tournament fishing for a long time and and it wasn't until last year that i finally dedicated it to the full-time gig yeah and you know speaking of of full-time you know not only are you uh competing at at that level but then you're also you you still maintain some businesses and some things like that as well right i do i've got my company is southern tank leasing and i'm in the tank trailer business chemical tankers and we lease and repair them and buy sell and um i've built a company i've got five terminal locations in the eastern half of the u.s uh got about 850 tank trailers that i try to keep rented and and that that is also a lifetime uh you know that that's taken a tremendous amount of my time worked on it and i'm very proud of my company it's a part of me and don't intend to do anything different i i uh, guess the only thing where i've always been kind of hands-on hired some more folks a couple of years ago put myself in a position 
to uh, be able to take the time necessary to compete at this uh, highest level of bass fishing. And, and now here I am, you know, trying to, trying to go out there and, and butt heads, uh, and it's been a fantastic experience. I tell you, a lot of people ask me about coming in so late in life if it's, uh, you know, maybe a disadvantage, having not been able to put the years on tour. But, you know, one of the big disadvantages, especially for the young pros, are the financial strains, the psychological strains from the financial strain, where you come in and, you, you know, you need to make that top 50 cut, make that $10,000 check, and, um, you know, it's a great way if you can wait or you have the patience in life to go ahead and establish some financial security before you go out there because it's a hard way to make a living. There's a lot of dues that have to be paid before you start getting, you know, start making, you know, uh, 850 or a million dollars in a year. You know, sure, it, sure. it doesn't come doesn't come quickly. And uh, and and so you know, I I recommend to a lot of the younger folks that I talk to, you know, get yourself in a position where you can do both for a while until you have some financial success both through sponsorship and tournament earnings. Well, and that's one of the great things about, you know, our sport is from the standpoint that unlike, say, baseball and and some of the other more, um, you know, physically demanding, not that fishing is not, but it's not inhibited based upon, you know, your age, your gender, or anything like that. It, it, it allows you to, to really jump in at any point in time. It really does, you know, keep yourself in a good enough physical shape. It is a young man's sport sometimes, you know, the hours get long, but, uh, you know, uh, if you keep yourself in shape, I mean, Guy Aker's my hero. You know, at, at 63, or it could be 64 years old now, maybe at his birthday he turned. And, you know, he, he is still out there this year. I think maybe this is his last year uh, on the Elites. Uh, I think he's going to try to do a little semi-retirement there. But, you know, I mean, he's still competitive at 60, 63 years old. That's impressive to me. So there's, there's hope for all of us in our 40s. Sure, sure. Well, and, do you, you know, how much... Uh, do you attribute the success that you've had of establishing yourself in the business arena? You know, is that is there a lot of similarities transferring that over into to bass fishing? Absolutely, Aaron. I t- for me, and I, and I say that because all of us uh, that compete really at any level, we bring a we bring a series of strengths and a, and and we all have weaknesses. And one of the things that any successful fishermen at their given level has to recognize is just that what what am i good at what am i weak at what do i need to work on and in reality that's really important to go out there and hope you're going to catch them and hope you're going to beat the the local lake heroes you can wish forever and it'll never make it happen but if you'll approach it systematically like you would conquering any business problem that's sort of how i approach my professional bass fishing i realized for instance that my mechanical skills you know they may may impress a state level angler but mechanically you know i don't pitch a jig as well as denny brower or or throw a jerkbait as well as kevin van dam and i can't skip a jig like gerald swindle and you know it's on and on um i like to throw a drop shot i catch a lot of fish on it major part of my stable, I'm sure I don't do it as well as Aaron Martins. Those guys that put 300 days and 325 days a year on the water, you can't touch that if you work for a living. But what you can do is you can take your strengths. And one of the things that tournament fishing at this competitive level, it's, it's uh, I like to call it water chess. It's a mind game. It's all about making good decisions on the water, remaining relaxed, and letting listening to the fish, you know, letting that day unfold and be mentally strong enough to make the adjustments that are necessary so that you catch them every day because you know in in this trail you got to catch i don't know if you noticed or not but these guys catch them every day <laughs> yeah there, there is no that it, they're not going to be caught 
That's right. And and so I have found that, um, you know, some of those decision-making skills that I learned from business, I'm applying that same basic principle to bass fishing, and it has helped me personally. It's um, with my uh, with my success. I believe that's one of the main main items there. Well, and I know, you know, uh, our own Bass Edge staff, Dr. Jay McNamara, who's a performance sports psychologist, just came out with, you know, his book this year, uh, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. I mean, that's one of the things that ties in exactly what you're saying, you know, talking about how to keep your mental uh, game and, and how that carries over into, you know, the success of your day. You know, one of the interesting things that I so respected uh, when I saw um, the, the the tournament there at the Legends on the on the Arkansas River was, you had made the comment that it's just a matter of when. I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And you know where does that come from? Where does that stem from of having that attitude? Well, you know, two things. I guess one is confidence. You hear that said a lot that how important confidence is in sports. And you know, I grew up uh, playing many different types of sports and. And confidence is a huge item. You know, when you're in basketball, I believe the reason you threw it to Michael Jordan with 2.5 seconds is he believed in his heart that he could make the shot. As a result, he did. Bass fishing carries the same reward for confidence. It's fantastic. If you if your confidence level is high, you have a good day. You may not win the event, but you have a fantastic day. You, you maximize the fish that are available to you. So that confidence has to be built from something, and, and I build it through a structure, through a mental structure. I know that I can go out on the water. I have the confidence that I can make the mental decisions to take what I have learned in practice and turn that into weight that I can put on the scales and uh, make those, make good mental decisions. You know, don't ever reach the point where you're just making casts and going, God, I hope I catch one. You know, you, you, that you can never be there. You have to, if I reach the point where I don't think I'm going to win on that hole, it's time to move. I, I want that mind to be open and fresh, and I want to believe I can win. And um, I'm also realistic. I, you know, there's times that I've made uh, made the top six, I think, six times this year, and there were events that I just didn't have enough fish to, to win the event, and I'm, I don't fool myself into believing I'm going to win, but when I had a chance, those events that I have been in it and I felt like I could win, I believed in my soul I was going to win it, and uh, the Legends was one of those. Yeah, and, and that comes back to just knowing knowing both your limitations, but also making sure you capitalize on when you're given the opportunity and dealt a, a full hand. <laughs> That's it, and you better recognize that opportunity. A lot of a lot of guys, um, especially at you know at at the uh, the, the the local open level. Um, you know, they'll miss those opportunities. You know, they'll leave feeding fish in hopes of finding more. They they won't maximize a, an area that they have found. You, one thing you'll learn if you'll you'll watch us, we don't ever leave till we've caught them. Yeah. You know, till we've caught them all. And when I say that, if you're flipping a grass bed and it's a real hot area of the lake, maybe two pockets that seem to hold more fish than the other areas of the lake. Don't be f- afraid to check the points in that area, the center of the pocket, any laydowns that are there. What it is, it's a real strong fish environment area. And you'll see us go in and fish an area, and we'll catch a lot of weight multiple days out of one small area. You know, you don't have to run all over the lake. You just, you just, you know, ultimate deal. You put the weight in the boat at the end right, of the day exactly. if you catch them all in one place. You just get in there and, and catch the ones that are there. Catch the ones that well, are there. And the beauty of, of fishing, regardless if, if anglers compete uh, in, in sanctioned tournaments or not. Fishing is still about competition because ultimately the competition is between you and the fish. That's right. So regardless if you're paying an entry fee, and that's one of the beauty things about you know what we're talking about here, is this is applicable regardless if you're entering tournaments or not. 
Yeah, bass fishing is uh, it's it's uh, almost like golf in the sense that it is self-satisfying. You don't have to be Tiger Woods to you can go shoot 105 and have a fabulous day because if 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 next Saturday you shoot 101 and, and your game's 105, it's a, it's it's self-satisfying. Bass fishing is the same way. It does a lot for you. It gives you an opportunity to open your mind up, be a you know be a a live person, not inside a building, not inside your office. You know, take in the outdoors and and really enjoy um, the match of trying to outsmart that species, outsmart that fish. You know, it's so rewarding. I can remember, you know, long before I tournament fished, how good I felt about myself when I figured something out and I caught a lot of fish that day, even if I was in the boat by myself. You know, I I, I won. You know, I, sure. I felt that satisfaction for that one moment. You were just a little bit better than the fish. I sure was. Yeah. So so segueing now over into technique specific. You know, you're you are extremely proficient and you talked about you know understanding and knowing your strengths uh one of the the critical factors of of a lot of your success has been you know flipping that big weight that that heavy heavy bait can you talk a little bit about that sure and what that means when you hear us talk about flipping the big weight basically we're taking something like the true tungsten you know one ounce one and a quarter one and a half ounce weight normally flipping it on braided line and normally flipping it into really heavy vegetation. You want a lure that's small and compact where it won't drag and it'll punch through that heavy vegetation. We call it flipping the mats. And mats can be made of anything that floats and leaves an area open underneath the water. You know, uh, the grass vegetation that comes straight up and has stalks that are just as thick as it goes down, there's no area for the fish. So we're looking for a mat that floats that has an opening underneath it where a bass can hide and ambush his prey. So you take that big weight and, and hook. I like the Berkeley Chigger Craws, as everybody knows, is, is what I like to flip. It's a perfect size for that. And basically you're taking that big weight, and the reason the need for the big weight is to punch through the mat. But in addition to that, you also it's also a technique. It's, it's, uh, that weight falls through, it slams the bottom, it makes a dust cloud, I snatch it back up, it slams the bottom again, and you're really getting a reaction strike from probably what would have been a non-aggressive or a dormant bass. And uh, that technique has worked well for me. In fact, I, that was one of the uh, prime techniques that that I got to the six-hole course in the Legends with. I was flipping mats with the big weight. So, you know, when you're when you're identifying, because some of the, depending on where you're at in the country, but it, certainly some of the lakes that are have thick vegetation, you know, how do you go and, and narrow that down to which mats and, and which areas, you know, to, to target first? Yeah, it's a good question, especially on the lakes that have a lot of matted vegetation. I notice there's a lot of it in the north, and it seems like it's underutilized. Um, we've been maybe doing it in the south a little longer. When you know, when we go to uh, you know Lake Champlain, and and uh, we were up at Oneida even this year, and there was some good matted vegetation. <clears throat> what I'm looking for are areas that should be fish concentration areas, such as uh, a channel swing that goes into the back of a creek that may have matted milfoil. And close to the channel edge, that would be a, a nice, convenient location for the fish to have access to deep water. Other than springtime, they're probably not going to be all the way in the back of the mat next to the shoreline. They're pro- you know, with, with the spawn going on, they will do that. They will go all the way to the back. But during the rest of the season and during the hot part of the summer, close to a channel swing, mats on a point, you know, irregular grass structure, you know, a point of mat things that are kind of normal what we look for if you'll approach matt as if it was topography 
that that's kind of a kind of a secret. It, it's hard for people to understand if all the water is three feet or four feet deep, like it is in Florida. What are you looking for? Well, if you look at it and assume that that grass line was topography, there can be a point, there can be a pocket. There, there's some, sh- you know, sharper drop-offs, and what that means is the mat grows a little farther out where the water's deeper, you know, and, and so there's a lot of different options, and then pay attention to the pattern, because uh, fish under grass mats will pattern just like they will on a reservoir with bluffs and points. If you catch them <clears throat> just on the points, then you can start to leave out all the pockets and straight lines of grass and just work all the grass points. You'll find that they'll get on that pattern. And then, uh, you know, maybe vice versa, where they're in the backs of the cuts of grass. So it patterns. And I like to tell people, if you'll just imagine the grass as topography, if you were looking at a lake map, then uh, that'll help them dissect it where they're not trying to fish all of it. So it's essentially, you know, you get that question asked a lot, too, about when you go to a lake that's full of docks, and you really got to take the factor of the docks, the visible docks, out of it. Likewise, with grass, you're looking for the same uh, topography issues that you would uh just like you would if you if the grass wasn't there that's correct okay um is there a particular grass type that that uh the, you know the the big weight and the punching works better on or is it is it pretty much across the board you know they'll get under all of it in florida a lot of times we're looking for water hyacinth um you know it's a it's a floating uh, i'm sure most everybody's familiar with water hyacinths and and it'll it'll blow together and create a little mat and that that's a really nice mat it, it does change locations but it never has anything growing off the bottom so there's always water under it uh down south for sure the milfoil mat works really well you know when i'm mentioning mat one thing you need to differentiate because milfoil will grow scattered and it's thick when it when it, until it mats it has leaves on the stalk all the way to the bottom there's no room for the fish to get in until it's created enough of a mat that the sun shadows out uh the leaf and the leaves will stop growing on the stem and then all all this left under there are stems if you're not sure whether or not it's grown over enough take your hand or the buddy of fishing rod and and pull a hole and just look down in there if you don't see grass, if you see nothing but stems, that that's what you want. That's a mat. Uh, that leaves a void area for a bass to be, so that that's something to look for. The milfoil mats really well. Hydrilla will mat also, although I don't like it as well, because it'll mat so tough it can really be hard to get the weight through. And then, you know, when you're targeting milfoil or hydrilla mats, are you... Fishing that bait all the way down to the bottom, or, I mean, are those fish necessarily relating more towards the bottom? Are they suspended? Does it just depend? Normally, the mats are not in real deep water, so you're really going to fish the whole water column. You know, almost everywhere I go, though, you know, unless it's a mat that's stuck in some uh, some reeds or something where it's four feet deep, you're probably going to fish in the two to three foot area. With an ounce and a half weight, by the time you punch through it, it's going to fall to the bottom pretty quick. I'll normally lift it once off the bottom and let it fall back down, and then I'll lift it up towards the top of the mat, and I may shake it there just a minute. If, if it's four feet deep, I'd, you, you will want to check that because sometimes they lay right on the bottom. Sometimes they put their backs up against the mat. So you want to check that water column, but normally it's, it's, it's uh, shallow enough that you'll discover both. You know, If it's not but two feet deep, they'll go up or down to get it. I see. And then in our last closing minute, as we're almost out of time, you know, how – you determine how far back into off the edge of let's say the mat you know how far back do you do you normally spend uh, punching one of the things I'll do I normally will start 
four to five feet back. Bass like to be on the outside edge normally, but and the reason I go that far back is because they on a on a heavily pressured lake, which are all of them anymore, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the fish get fished for so heavily on that outside edge. I think they're really cautious about what they see beyond the shadow line or on the outside edge. If you'll just come over into the area where they are, they're not really used to seeing baits presented like that, and they're a lot more comfortable to give you the strike. Sure. Well, that's that's great advice. And, you know, unfortunately, Boyd, we are out of time, but I, I tell you, this has just been a just a fantastic interview and, and certainly wish you continued success and congratulations on a great year. And I, I tell you another thing I'm looking forward to is we're going to get to spend uh, the opportunity to spend some time together in 2008. Um, so that, that that's going to be a great time. Fantastic. I'm sure looking forward to it. Wish you the best of luck and hi to all your viewers, Aaron. Thank you very much and have a, have a great day. Thank you. Well, I got to tell you, Aaron, of all the interviews we've been doing for a while, I really got a lot out of that. You know, he is right. No matter if you what you're doing in the outdoors, mental preparation is the most important thing. Oh, it's critical. And, you know, he, he talks a little bit. He didn't go into a lot of detail. But one of the things that I think is important for our listeners to know is that Boyd actually has, you know, that, that company that he spoke of with 850 trucks that travel all over. But, you know, his focus is really divided as far as trying to compete at you know the top level in our sport but then also trying to run a successful business and i think his success in business and that confidence that he had in that you know he just naturally brought over into to the fishing arena he's been an angler since 71 um you know and i, and I really liked what he said talking about confidence about making good decisions and understanding you know what you have and what you have found out there when you're fishing yeah. Hey, can you elaborate a little bit when he was talking about approaching grass and looking at the topography of the, of the uh, structure or, or the, the, the grass itself? Sure. What was he really trying to get across there? Because he threw a lot at you there. Oh, he did. And, and it was, like I said, it was that's one of the reasons why we went a little bit longer than what we did because the information was so great. But what he is referring to is if you look at, let's say if you had a, a an aerial view of a grass bed that is on top of the water and you're looking at that from the top down well that grass isn't going to necessarily grow in a nice you know square or a rectangle it has contours and, and that grass that grows off the bottom the depth of that grass will change with the contour of the bottom of the lake or the river of which you're fishing so it will actually have grass those mats will actually have points where the grass comes out, it'll have indentations, it's going to have a deeper ledge, it may have some channels that run up through uh, the middle of the grass bed, and what he is uh, referring to when he says that is break that grass bed down just like you would uh, the topography of a lake. Just like you would go and fish a secondary point or a primary point on a body of water, target, let's say, a, a secondary point or a primary point on those grass beds, because those are great ambush points. Likewise, you know, throwing into that edge and flipping in those holes, those are great areas to be able to ambush. So that's simply what he's referring to when he said break it down according to the topography and fish it just like you would if the grass wasn't there. So in other words, don't think of a grass structure as two-dimensional. Think of it as 3D, three-dimensional. No question, no and, question and, because yeah. you, you pull up to that, and, and it's very intimidating. You know, you see these acres and acres of grass. It's like, okay, where in the world do I start? So I thought that yeah. was a great, great point. Well, I think that's a lot to get under the the belt there. Hey, and fishing under the grass mats, or you when you pattern them just like a shoreline, I would have never thought of that. Yeah, 
you know, and and that's why he he really likes, and that's one of his strengths, and that, and that's really what took him to victory on both of those major tournaments was that he went back to his strength, which he knew was flipping. And when he's targeting these grass, he loves to go to that big, heavy weight, you know, ounce and a quarter to ounce and three quarter Texas rig bait and flipping back into that. And one of the questions that I thought that he addressed very well is how far back into the mat, you know, do you cast? And really what he is looking for, he's not going to necessarily target right on the edge because those fish are going to be a little more pressured. But normally he'll he'll make a pitch, you know, about five feet back into it, let that bait punch through that grass because it's very thick that's hence that's why you need the heavy weight is to get through that that matting on the top but once you get through that matting it opens up underneath and there's there's air space and freeways that's kind of under this mat and when that weight goes crashing into the bottom it makes that dust cloud yeah. and that dust cloud is creates a reaction and draws the attention you know to the to the fish yeah in your humble opinion what's more important to a fish his eyes or a lateral line um, I'm going to say lateral line. I mean, okay. that's that's an opinion. There's no factual basis on that, but that yeah. that is first glance. Well, just wanted to throw that at you. Sure. Well, that was awesome. I tell you what, we got to take another break. When we come back, folks, we're going to my favorite part of the podcast, the product <laughs> giveaway. He laughs every time. Well, I we're going to name that. We're just going to name that Dan's part. <laughs> well, let's do it. I think that's, that should be the outdoors Dan giveaway. There you go. The there product you. giveaway listener email section of the podcast is up right after this. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space of my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. All right, it's time for the product giveaway and listener email section of the show. This is Outdoors Dan, which it's actually the Outdoors Dan giveaway, but I'll let them think what they want. And, of course, Aaron's right here with me. And, you know, Aaron, it's uh, always a good time to listen to what the the listeners are checking out or what they want to know. And we got a wonderful, uh, the winner first off, let's do uh, Tony from Burlington, North Carolina. And Tony's going to get a great prize, and it's from Dr. Uh, the Dr. Phil of Fish, Dr. Jay McNamara, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. And, I've got Jay's book. It really is a good read. Oh, it's a great read, and what I mean, it couldn't be more of a fitting prize to win when you've got Boyd Duckett that's talking about confidence, and we're going to be uh, joining Jay here shortly talking about the book itself. So I know Tony will enjoy that as much as what I've uh, seen that make an improvement in, in my fishing. So. Yeah. we got a great question. Uh, well, first off, congratulations, Tony, and you know what? Keep those emails coming. We got a great question from Derek in Springfield, Illinois, and I know you're going to answer this, but I want to throw my two cents in at the end. And the the question is uh, about topwater, Aaron. What uh, what does Derek want to know? Yeah, Derek actually wants to know, you know, when or what time of year do you stop throwing topwater? Thanks for the awesome show and keep up the great work. And, and he brings up a, a great point here because really there is no exact right or wrong answer. One of the things that I do personally, you know, I allow water temperature to to dictate that um, more than anything. You know, sometimes even though it does occur generally within the the same uh, uh, date, I guess, each and every year, 
there's a lot of seasonal changes that can impact that if you get a you know just a hard rain where it cools down the water temperature or it warm possibly warms it back up when you get a warm rain uh, there's a lot of factors that go into that but water temperature is certainly the main uh, gauge that i use and believe it or not you know i'll never forget one of the times that i was actually uh fishing and it, this location actually happened to be lake of the ozarks but um, it had cold front came through. It was late in November. Some snow started falling, and I don't know why I did this, but I picked up a black buzzbait with a gold blade and went just paralleling the bank against chunk rocks. And I mean, the fish just absolutely annihilated that buzzbait. Um, so, you know, normally I'll, I'll look for things that, uh, like around the low 50s, you know, mid 50s, right in that range is normally when I'll set that down and. Uh, you know go to other tactics so great great question though yeah there you go you know what my my two cents is you know with what you're saying is you never know what they're going to hit on Derek. when it when there's two inches of ice that's when i'd stop throwing it <laughs> there you go if you if you throw it out there and it makes a ting that that's probably means it's not going to work so well there you go but hey don't forget folks you can send in a question or a comment just like uh tony and Derek did and you will be in the weekly drawing simply go to podcast at BassEdge.com and shoot us an email with your name and address and the body of it and we'll take care of you and Aaron we need to take our final break and when we get back we're going to join the Dr. Phil of Fish himself Dr. Jay McNamara for some really good insight on how to be the fish right here on the edge you've got the truck you've got the toys now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 toe and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. Okay, we are back on The Edge, and with us today is Bass Edge's very own pro staff member, Dr. Jay McNamara. Jay, uh, thanks so much for being part of The Edge again today. Oh, always fun to do this, Aaron. You know, Jay, to uh, just to kind of give our listeners uh, a little bit of, of update on on who you are and what you do, you know, you've... you've you're featured in the in the zone segment within the television show but then also follow that up on the website through bassheads.com with a series of articles uh you know based upon um, basically performance psychology and how the mental aspects of that impact your fishing day and and then and certainly just coming out with your first book called uh, the psychology of exceptional fishing you know there's a there's a lot of positive things that's that's taking place uh, in that marketplace where it's really becoming vogue and one of the reasons why you know I, I ask you to to be back on on the edge so quickly is you know just our last interview there with with Boyd Duckett whom you know is the reigning Bassmasters uh, classic champion uh, also went on to win a major is that you know he really trumpeted uh, a lot of the the things uh, concerning confidence and, and mental approach uh, you know, to your fishing day, and and that was that's really what he attributed a lot of his success throughout this year um, being was exactly that. Well, you know, I think that's true, Aaron. If you look at Boyd's performance in the Bassmaster Classic, when he needed a big bite and he knew he wasn't going to get a lot of bites, he went to a technique that he had a fish for a long time, make a lot of casts, a lot of flips, and uh, he wound up he did get that big bite, 
Um, but you have to have a lot of confidence to be able to go into an area where you know you're not going to get very many bites, maybe only one or two, but they will be the kind of quality bites you need to win the tournament, and uh, let the tournament ride on that, and he was able to do that. That is a sign of real confidence. You know, and I, and I brought this up in the, in the last interview, but when he made that comment while he was fishing on the final six of, of the last major, you know, throughout the course of that day, he, he made the comment, he said, I know I'm going to win this, it's just a matter of when the fish will bite. And, you know, that, that, that's a strong statement. Well, it is, um, and what that kind of a thing, that kind of a self-talk, as they call it in psychology, does for you is it puts you into the expectation that you will catch the fish that bite. Um, now, we can't always control Mother Nature, and sometimes, in fact, they don't bite. But if that's your attitude, that I'm going to win this, it's just a matter of when they're going to bite, that will keep you focused on every single cast, every single flip. It will make you positively predisposed to notice whatever it is that you need to notice uh, in your whole sensory awareness mechanism when those bites do happen versus someone that's filled with doubt or apprehension or even worse negative thinking that I don't think I'm going to do this um, your attention will lapse and you will miss bites that would be there you know one of the things that he brought up I mean obviously was was the confidence but also making good decisions in other words don't just be making cast to to make cast if he doesn't have the confidence in that area you know he's going to pick up and move but doesn't don't those two things kind of go hand in hand? I mean, isn't a little bit of the chicken and egg scenario there? Oh, absolutely. You know, the thing that Boyd referenced there that we can all relate to is a situation where you go to a spot, you're, you're initially confident that there will be some fish there, they're not there, and after a while, all of a sudden you lapse into kind of a routine chunk and wine process you're not really you're kind of zoning out you're kind of your mental faculties are kind of dull we've all been there um, and that's the point at which Boyd is saying uh, you can't continue to just go through the motions in a spot that you don't have confidence in that's where you need to make uh, a significant change either in your presentation or in your approach to the cover of the spot or in your uh, in the spot altogether you can lose confidence in your spot without losing confidence in yourself or in your skill set. And I think that's one of the things that Boyd demonstrates very well as he talks about this, is he never loses confidence in Boyd Duckett. He never loses confidence in Boyd Duckett's ability to be a, a, an effective uh, presenter of baits to the fish. What he does lose confidence in is the, is the ability of the fish to either be there or to bite in the spot that he's on, and so then he moves. Well, and, and he made another good analogy from the standpoint of, you know, he said... It's for the same reason that you would pass the ball to Michael Jordan when there's two and a half seconds left. He, Michael Jordan knows in his heart of hearts that he can make that shot, and he feels exactly you know, the same way in, in the fact that he has confidence in himself of being able to, to catch that, that next fish that is needed to get him closer to his goal. Well, you know, Jay Ellis said the same thing in a recent interview about winning the FLW uh, Angler of the Year this year. He said, you know, it's gotten to the point where it's late in the day and I don't have enough fish. I enjoy that. It's like Michael Jordan wanting the ball with two and a half seconds to go and, the, and you're behind. Most people would say they'd rather be ahead by ten points with two and a half seconds to go. Michael Jordan would say, I want the ball at, 
being behind by a point or two with two and a half seconds to go. And Jay Ellis was saying kind of the same thing, that this year his attitude was, it gets to be late in the day, I don't have enough fish in the tank. I relish that because now I'm going to be able to really bear down and make something happen. And several times this year he did. He wound up winning the FLW Angler of the Year because of it. Well, and even outside of just, you know, just the tournament realm, uh, Jay, it confidence is is important from just a recreational standpoint an angler standpoint because it's still you still have to be able to have the confidence to catch the fish to to produce results at the end of the day absolutely and again it goes back to aaron um looking at the different facets of confidence confidence is not just one thing um you start with you know confidence in who you are and your kind of your basic beliefs and your values about being a good person and being a good brother and a good husband and whatever else it is that you that you believe in but then you also have confidence in your ability to be an effective fisherman so even though the fish aren't biting you don't have to question your ability to be a good caster you don't have to question your ability to be good at flipping or deep cranking you don't have to question your capacity to execute well um, but you certainly can lose confidence in an area or a particular spot or a particular type of presentation and that will lead you to make changes um, you know, we've all got more lures in our tackle box than we could ever use, and we've also m- typically have more spots than we can get to in the course of a day. There's no reason to not keep making changes if we're not confident in the specifics of what we're doing right now. Right, and, and you know, my feeling is that confidence isn't necessarily just established on the water. You have to put those practices in place it's just that that's where it comes out, and that's one of the mediums of through which it is seen. So what are some of the tips and the techniques, you know, very quickly, because as, as we're getting close to being out of time, but that you can give us to, to help put us on our way, uh, you know, to, towards improving confidence while on the water? Well, the first thing I would say, obviously, is uh, get the book. Get the Psychology of Exceptional Fishing on the BassEdge.com website. Uh, there's a whole chapter there on confidence, what it is, what it is, and how to develop confidence. Um, But one of the best things you can do to begin with is to make a list of the things that you know that you're good at and the things that you're sort of good at, and then to make a list also of the things that you're not very good at. And when the chips are down, you go to the things that you do well. You know, Michael Jordan uh, takes the shot that he knows he can make when there's two and a half seconds to go. He doesn't try some offbeat uh, oddball shot that he's never practiced before. He goes with what he knows well. Same way with Boy Duckett in the Mass Masters Classic. He w- picked up his flipping stick because he knew that if he needed to catch a big fish, this is how he was going to do it. Um, anglers themselves can make that same list of here's what I'm good at, here's what I'm sort of good at, here's what I'm not very good at, and when you really need to catch some fish or you're really not sure, go to the things that you know you do well. Stick with the things that you're already confident in. And, and just quickly, he also went to the antithesis of that by saying, you know, if he knows that there's fish in that area, um, you know, earlier we had said if, if you're not getting bit and you're not confident in the area, then obviously leave. Make good decisions to get out of there. But the other flip side of that was that he pointed out, you know, he's going to catch every single one of them. And the reason why that they keep going back there day after day producing fish is because they understand and they have the confidence that those fish are there in that area. Well, absolutely, and there are lots of examples of that. You know, um, again, when Jay Ellis won the classic uh, on Lay Lake, um, he didn't catch his fish till late in the day till they started running water in the lake. And so you fish for um, 
five or six hours out of an eight-hour tournament, uh, and you're not catching anything, and you know that you're not going to catch anything, but you stay in that area because pretty soon the conditions are going to change and the fish will show up and they will bite, um, that's a different kind of confidence altogether, the kind that Boyd is describing when he's saying, I'm going to get in this area. I know there are a few fish here. I'm not going to get very many bites, but I will catch the ones that are here. Um, that's a, another kind of confidence in your skill set um, that transcends your ability to feel confident that there are a million fish here that are going to bite no matter what. Well, Jay, all, again, all great information. I certainly think that you know the the importance of exactly what it is that you talk about in your book. Um, you know, it, is is certainly coming into the public eye because I, I know that here just recently you were the the keynote speaker at at the Midwest Writers Conference. Uh, you know, certainly I know that the that the books. I've heard a lot of very very positive feedback. I've been a, a fan of it for for several years now. But um, you know, I, I think it's really going to be interesting to see how how this comes more into play, both from a recreational angler standpoint as well as competitive fishermen. Well, you know, there are so many more obvious examples now with. Um, the the uh, massive television coverage of the tournaments to see both the positive uh, mental processes at work that people use, people like Boyd Duckett and Jay Ellis, as well as the uh, mental mistakes that people make, and we won't mention names there, but those are obvious as well. And uh, the kind of how the mental variables play out in the world of competitive fishing translates very directly to how they play out in the world of recreational fishing as well, just on a slightly smaller scale. But those dimensions do matter. Yeah, no question. Well, Jay, as we are out of time, how can uh, people get in touch with either yourself via email or also find out more information about the book? BassEdge.com, uh, Aaron, B-A-S-S-E-D-G-E.com. Uh, you can click on In the Zone, read a bunch of the articles, like you said. Uh, click on Shop Bass Edge, find the book, and get more about the whole Bass Edge uh, system and the uh, television show as well. Uh, BassEdge.com is the place to get a hold of us. And what about uh, what about your email? Oh, um, my email address is jay.drfish at gmail.com. Excellent. Uh, people could contact me there as well. Well, you certainly are the fish doctor and, and certainly helping to uh, to put more fish in the boat, at least on a, on a more comfortable basis. So, Jay, it's always a pleasure to be able to talk with you and, and sincerely appreciate your time today on The Edge. Thanks very much, Aaron. Well, Aaron, i got to tell you, as always, Dr. J is right on. And, you know, it's kind of neat how the insights that he gives you. And, you know, he can take a body of water and make it less intimidating just by having the confidence going. No question. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, um, you know, that I always look at is that fishing isn't just about being on the water. You know, there's a lot of preparation, uh, just like you prepare your tackle and your, your line and get your baits ready and lodging and all that other stuff that goes into, um, you know, preparing for a tournament. And, and your mental house in order and confidence and, and what more of a, a fitting interview to be as a companion to what Boyd Duckett had to say. Yeah, and, you know, he's right about the confidence, not only on what you're doing, whether it's fishing or hunting on my end. That, that goes all the way through all areas of your life, work, family, and all your relationships. You really have to show confidence. Yeah, no question. I mean, that is going to be exuded regardless of where you're at. Boyd certainly is an example of that with, you know, between his work and then the, the fishing. But it's going to be transparent through all, all areas of your life, you know. And I really like what he had to say as far as going to your strengths 
when conditions are less favorable. Uh, he just really echoed what Boyd said earlier, um, you know, knowing that if, if the fish aren't responding like you want, you know, go to what you know that you're good at and what you have confidence in, uh, and then that ultimately that helps build your confidence in, in other areas. So. Yeah, and I've been making a list of my fishing strengths. Mm-hmm. Polymer knot's one. I'm a very good polymer knot tire. There you go. So, and it, my second one is my Snoopy pole is rigged better for any other Snoopy pole because that quantum uh, reel that I use on my Snoopy pole is one of my strengths. <laughs> there you now, go. you laugh, yes. but that Snoopy pole, especially in tight structure areas, like you got a lot of brush and you got to get in there, and you're drop shot, and then I'm telling you, that's you people laugh, but it catches fish. Well, believe it or I, not, the length of that, and I know you say that tongue-in-cheek, but the length of that Snoopy pole, they actually have a, it's a spring-loaded uh, rod for, for being able to, uh, what they call, bow and arrow or shoot skip baits under uh-huh. hooks, and it actually has a spring on it, and it, it cantilevers over, and you can um, shoot crappie jigs up under docks and, and things like that. So there See? you go. One of my strengths. I'm telling you. I'll tell you what, i got a few more things I need to write on my list, but we'll talk about that at a later time. <laughs> hey, and you know, you can get that book if you go to BassEdgeTV. Uh, it's BassEdge.com, right? That's right. That's you right. can get Jay's book right off the website, can't you? Absolutely. There or Amazon.com. So. Yeah, so All good that's, stuff. That's an easy stuff. Well, folks, once again, we're out a lot of time. I need to go get my Snoopy boat cleaned, and I know Aaron's got to get ready to go down to Amistad. You looking forward to that? Absolutely. No yeah, question. Yeah, well, win, win some money, will you? I'm going to try, man. I'm going to try, but I almost hate to, uh, you know, it's been a really great show, so yeah. anyway. A lot of good information. A lot of great hey, we're also going to have some other great information interviews next time. We're going to have reigning, don't forget the ladies, reigning women's Bassmasters Classic Champ. Pam Martin Wells, and I know Pam's going to do some great stuff. And you, you had said before you really like her a lot. I do, I do. I mean, she's just uh, really a, a, again a veteran of the sport. Even though the women's tour is is fairly new, uh, she's certainly been in in the uh, the bass and gal circuit for a very long time, and and really helped mentor a lot of other anglers, uh, both men and women, as far as yeah. getting into the sport. So we'll have Miss Pam on, and then we'll have your questions and give away some other great prizes in the Outdoors Dan Proud Giveaway section. And in the meantime, don't forget to visit us at www.bassedge.com. Aaron, it's been fun. Hey, it has. All right, folks, for Aaron Martin, this is Outdoors Dan. We'll see you next time, and thank you for listening to The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.